This is the Doctor. President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jelly, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castabras. Hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 53. Hope you guys have had a fantastic week. <laughs> uh, what have you been up to, buddy? Anything? Um, well, yeah, uh, I've been scouring looking for a hotel down in Bournemouth because um, I really want to go to the Showmasters uh, Collectomania thing this weekend. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I left it a bit late. I wasn't sure if I could go. And so, yeah, I was sort of the last few nights I've been looking to see if I can find anything for a decent price. Sadly, I haven't. They're all because it's bank holiday, they're all sort out. But the reason I wanted to go is because one one of the people that's going to be there is William Russell, and he's top of my list of, of people I want to meet. Um, ah, okay. So, yeah, yeah, but I really want to go to that. There's loads of Doctor Who people there um, at this thing. Um, Katie Manning's there, Nicola Bryant, Lila Ward, Camille Cordury. How do you say it? You know, Jackie Tyler. What's that? Not oh, with. Uh, yeah. Camille. Kaduri, yeah, yeah, probably saying that wrong. Yeah. She's there. I'd love to meet her, wouldn't you? I'd she sounds like a, her. yeah, looks like a good laugh. She does, yeah. Yeah, our old <laughs> mate John Levine. There's loads of people. So yeah, I really wanted to go to this, and um, yeah, depending on when when listeners are listening to this podcast, it's this weekend, the 29th to the 30th of August. But yeah, sadly, all the hotels are around the sort of 180 pound mark, and uh, I haven't quite got that money, especially as I'm saving up for that eBay Liberator that's 33,000 pounds. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, crikey. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. Mostly I've been getting in from work, checking hotels, and crying a little, little bit. Um, uh, yeah, so that's been my week. What about yours? Yeah, my week is also... Um, I also wanted to get a couple of uh, convention tickets booked in. All right. And um, I wanted to book one of them, which you know about, and I can't believe it sold out. I'm so gutted. Oh, is this the one with um, Daphne? With Daphne, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, McCoy's there. Um, a couple of other people. Well, it looks like a really good little little one to go to. Yes, they've added a few more people, haven't they? I noticed as well. Yes, which I'm uh, not happy about. But you've signed up in case something yes. comes up. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping. So that, that I mean that's pretty good. I've not seen that on um, many convention sites before, where it's sold out, but then it says, um, you know, pop your name down on the waiting list. Mm. So I, I'm assuming, like, if anybody cancels or or can't go, they'll resupply some tickets. So fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Yes. Um, also been answering some feedback from you guys as well on our last um, episode. Um, as you know, we had quite the rant uh, <laughs> at, at the beginning, which lasted for approximately 18 minutes. Gosh. Um, which is not very approximate, actually, is it? No, it's pretty... Uh, 18 precise. minutes and 22 <laughs> seconds. Um, yes, yeah, so we had a bit of a rant, and then a couple of people got in touch, and um, thank you very much for doing so. Um uh, so one of our regular listeners, uh, Yanto Williams. Oh, uh, yes. Hi, Yanto. Yes, he made a good point, actually, and something that we should have actually, or I should have clarified um, when I had said rant last week. Uh, and he got in touch and said, uh, the Forbidden Planet in Cardiff has the nicest staff ever. Uh, there is one guy there I've seen three times, uh, uh, the three times that he's been there, and he's really nice and helps you out with anything, uh, which is really cool. Um, and I replied to him to say that... Um, uh, 
that my rant was aimed uh, specifically at the London megastore for Forbidden Planet. Mm. I, I, I didn't mean to offend any of um, the other staff members who work at other Forbidden Planets around the country because, um, like I replied to Yanto, um, uh, I've been into loads of them, but the, the ones that I can remember, uh, namely the Newcastle store, the new Birmingham one, and the one in Cardiff, those guys in there are actually very good. Yeah. And I have no complaints with those guys. And I'm sure that the other dozen stores that they've got as well are also good. I was I was kind of referring to those guys in the London store. Yeah, so I just, know what you mean. You know, so just to confirm, I'm, I'm not saying that Forbidden Planet are evil and, you know, everything's <laughs> bad and everything's, you know, negative. It's not like that at all. It really is just my opinion of the staff in that particular shop yeah your experience in that shop i was gonna say because yeah. there is there is one guy in the london store that's absolutely fantastic and i always try and go to him if i can it's just unfortunately <laughs> and i've had the same experience as you there has been a couple of times where i've gone to the customer service bit at the back and had really grumpy service but um i wish i knew the name of the guy that's good because he's so enthusiastic <laughs> like if you ever go to london store um just track him down yeah. uh, but um yeah i know what you're saying i mean i think yeah we, we've had a few rants about mid planet mainly about their online actually delivery isn't it that that's we true yeah have They're the most problems with but yeah. um and also the fact there's two stores called forbidden planet that are totally unconnected confuses things as well um so yeah it's all a big ball of confusion it is it's a fusion yeah. of confusion a, yes <laughs> it is but so, uh, yeah yeah nothing to rant about this week have we i think we'll we're rant free aren't we i think we are rant free which is which is good pretty much which is a good thing yeah which is great um Yes, it kind of feels like an empty space now. We've got no rent, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I was just thinking, actually, talking of um, listeners' feedback, um, I know a couple of listeners, uh, cousins in particular. Hello, cousins. I know you're, he's going to this Bournemouth thing, um, Showmasters Collector Mania. If any listeners out there are going, um, do get in touch and let us know who you met. Send us pictures of who you met if you get them or, or whatever. I'd be really interested to see it. And I'll be very jealous, of course, but I'll also, yeah, I'd love to see and hear from any of you that that are going to it and and who you met and what they were like and stuff. Yeah, John right. Levine's there, and if you haven't met John Levine, go and meet him. <laughs> it's an experience. <laughs> what a brilliant. character! Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good point, actually. Um, just use our Facebook page and stuff as a dumping ground for all of your photos and mm. all that sort of stuff. We'd we'd love to see what you guys are up to when you're out and about doing various who stuff and bits and pieces. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, do get in touch. There was I did have an email through actually from. Um, the guys at, I think it was 10th Planet. Oh, yeah. 10th Planet Events, um, saying that they've um, they've got everyone confirmed now for the next, I think it's Day of the Doctors 7 or 8 yes, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, that looks kind of cool. It does. And this is at the same place um, we went to last time when we, when we first met up, isn't it? Um, the Copthorne in, uh, yeah. yes. in well, should, are we saying Windsor or Slough? <laughs> you know, but that area. Yeah. Um, it's in the same place, isn't it? And it's quite a good little little venue because I love yeah. the fact that you can go to the, the sort of main convention bit and then they've got that little bar area because I just love sort of just having time out to sit with all Dot 2 fans like we did. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, just soaking up the atmosphere. So, yeah, it's not a bad little event, that one. Yeah, I'm tempted cool. to go to another. Yeah, and I've got another one as well. Um, they they do loads of events. Mm. Um, they're not the biggest conventions in the world, but no. they're they're definitely very good and worth going to because um, I think in some ways the the smaller 
um, slightly smaller venue and, and that sort of thing is, is actually a good thing. Yes. Um, and there's another one come through. Um, uh, one of their other popular ones is the Big Finish Days. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the Big Finish Day 7, um, I think, is going to have um, uh, Colin Baker. Uh, he's there, and I think he's going to give a little talk and and um, a presentation on his latest Big Finish about his um, uh, regeneration story that he's done with oh, Big Finish. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's going to be very cool. And I think he's also going to be signing some more of those interviews that Big Finish released as well. Right. Have you have you got either of these? Did you order either of them? I've pre-ordered the the regeneration one, but I've not oh, right. got the interview one, which I apparently see. is very good. Yeah, my, mine literally just arrived with the post a couple of days ago. Um, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I'm really looking forward to it because I got the Tom Baker one that they did um, a few months back or, or whenever it was, and that was really good. Um, I mean, Tom is just full of stories anyway, so he's always in, entertaining. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to the Colin one. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard a single word of it yet, but I know Colin, I, I get the feeling Colin might like to have the odd rant, um, judging by some of his interviews. So I think it's <laughs> going to be really good, and I'm, I'm hoping to get to listen to it over the weekend. So Yeah. yeah. There's some good people there as well, that um, uh, Big Finish Day 7. Colin's obviously there. Uh, Katie Manning's there. Um, Nika Wills. There's also some people from... Uh, so Nick Briggs is obviously going to be there. Louise Jameson, yeah. Um, Matthew Waterhouse. Uh, oh, yeah. Our old mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our old mate. Yeah. Um, I really uh, like Matthew Waterhouse actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's going to be quite a few good peeps there. So the Tenth Planet stuff is really good. I might try and get to a couple of these um, before the year's out. Um, so yeah, convention stuff. And I think um, the other biggie is obviously the official BBC festival, which is coming. Mm. It's very swiftly, so it's not till November, but I think that's going to come around very quick. Oh, it is, yeah, it yep. is. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to. I mean, I'm getting such a, a buzz for the new series, and um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the, the convention as well, because uh, it's going to sort of be, I was going to say slap bang in the middle of the series, but actually no, it'd be more towards the end of it, won't it? But yeah, um, yeah, that's that's going to be good. I'm looking forward to that. I still need to book my hotel for that. Actually, I need to. Sort oh dear, that. Oh, I thought you'd booked it. I was going to. I was looking around at stuff, and I. Put some tweets out to see who anyone else who was staying in other hotels, but I guess nobody wants to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> yeah, uh, I must admit I'm I'm looking because we're both going to stay. We're we're going on the Saturday, and we're both going to stay on the Friday night, aren't we? Yes. Uh, so that we can just trot to the venue in the morning. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. The the danger is I, I'm. You know, I do like a, a pint or two on a Friday night. You know, not, don't get smashed, but the, oh. I do like to sort of chill out, you know, start the weekend off with a little drink. And um, I'm going to try not to do that too much um, the night before because I don't want to be walking around the festival uh, like a bear of a sore head. But obviously we're going to be meeting up. There's bound to be a drink involved. Just um, <laughs> You're not too bad because you don't, you don't drink much anyway, do you, from what I remember? You're not a big drinker. Um, no, you, well, I like a tipple. No. I, I do have yeah. a... I do have the odd pint. Yeah, um, but I remember when I met up with you, 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 you enjoy a pint, but you're not like me. Once I've had one, it turns into five. Once you, <laughs> once you get you, it. Yep. Yeah, once I get it. And so, yeah, you'll have to try and try and hold me back a little bit, I think, on the Friday, because uh, otherwise I'm going to really regret it uh, the following day. <laughs> I've got this image in my head of, um, you know, the um, the photo shoots that they uh, put <laughs> tickets out for for Peter Capaldi. Yeah. I've got an, a vision of of you just coming like flying through like the backdrop absolutely <laughs> smashed with like a Dalek helmet on or Simon <laughs> Helmet saying Peter 
I tried to book. I was on at 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I can actually see that happening. That's a very scary yeah. thought. I'll, I'll keep you in check, mate. Yeah, if you, if you yeah, could. Because you don't want the day ruined because you're completely hungover and not seeing <laughs> no. in colour. No, it'd be terrible. <laughs> yeah, I so. love that image. I could actually see that happening. Yeah. I will have phone at the ready. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, so if anyone else, because I know that we're meeting up with a load of other people um, down there. I think everyone's staying the night before. Mm. from what I gather. So if anybody knows of where they're staying or anybody, because we, we'll, we'll sort out a meetup. I think somebody's already arranged that. They've, I, I saw an event sent around to like loads of people on whatever, Facebook. So I know mm. there is a meetup of some kind. Oh, is that cool? And I'm, and I'm not being funny here because there's probably going to be hundreds of meetups with loads of Who fans, but I mean like people who listen to this show and other podcasts that we listen to. I know there's a big meetup somewhere. So we'll sort something out and we'll let you guys know when and where. Once I remember. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm kind of looking forward to to afterwards, actually, when the event is done um, and I can just relax. I'm really hoping I have time to go for perhaps a drink after the actual event as well with all, with all the other Who fans, because I, I like the thought of that, of, of sitting in a pub and just chatting about the, you know, the day and, and what everyone's, you know, got from it and stuff. That's, that's what I'm really looking forward to, actually. Yeah, cool. That's yeah. going to be awesome. Yeah. Bring it on. Bring it on. Right. So, should we crack on? Yeah, with uh, no rant, we should probably get into the news, shouldn't we? Let's do it, buddy. Okay. Nice. First up this week, uh, we have a cool, uh, cool book on the way. Mm. Uh, Fifth Doctor, Mr. Davison, yeah, is finally writing his autobiography. Uh, he's got a cool title as well, the Fifth Ish Doctor. <laughs> I like the way he puts Ish at the end of his stuff. Now, yeah, I like that. It's very cool. So it's out April next year. So I'm assuming it's almost done, and um, it will feature a forward by his son-in-law, Mr. Tennant. Mm. which is quite cool. Keep it in the family. Yes. Um, and uh, this is a pre-order uh, defo for me. I'm, I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, this is, um, I think that Mr. Davison might be creeping up to my 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 classic doctor. Is he? Yeah. Interesting. The more, um, the more I watch of his stuff and the more that I re-watch some of the stories, like the one that we're doing this week, Mm. I'd seen it a couple of times already, but when I watched it this morning, there's just something about Davison that I, I'd really, really like. And um, yeah, I think he, he, he could possibly be in contention for my new, my classic doctor after all these years. Mm. It's funny you say that. You are the second person to say that to me this week. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because I I really like Davison. He he was the doctor when I grew up as a kid, and I I really do like his doctor. I'd He's probably not my favourite, but he's he's up there. He's definitely up there. Okay. Um, but I was talking to Matt from Who Addicts Reviews, and uh, he was saying that he Peter Davison is his favourite all-time favourite Doctor. Uh, over all the modern Doctors, all the classics, he's his number one. Okay. And I was really surprised because um, I thought I always thought Matt, um, no, not Matt, sorry, James. I always thought James was a Tenant fan like yourself. I always thought you know. So I, yeah, I was surprised when he said that Peter was his favourite Doctor, but 
he is good. And I think he does get slightly overlooked because he's he's one of the more gentle doctors. So he's he's quite sort of easygoing, isn't he? So that sometimes, yeah. you know, sometimes people translate that to being that he's a bit bland. And I think that's that's unfair because I actually think he is a really, really good doctor. So, yeah, mm. I'm, I hear you. So it's going to be good. And I like the setup for it as well. Um, uh, so I like how they've introduced his, his sort of coming to be the doctor. So um, part of the introduction or the advertisement for the book is um, it's uh, it starts as Peter. It's uh, John Nathan Turner here. How would you like to be the next Doctor Who? <laughs> Which I think is a fan. How phenomenal is that? Where you you don't really have to audition for the role, you know. It's somebody who's come at you and said, "How would you like to be the Doctor?" That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and it goes on to say that um, after receiving this phone call in March 1980, uh, Peter Davison would go on to play the Doctor in the hit BBC series. Blah blah blah. Uh, now for the first time, Davison reveals what it was really like to take on this role of a lifetime. And he talks exclusively about his childhood and personal life, uh, describing his work on shows such as All Creatures Great and Small, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, Miranda Sherlock and a few other bits. Um, so, yeah, it sounds really cool. And we don't really get much from 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 Davison in terms no, of like behind the scenes and how he felt and many interviews about what really happened behind the scenes, because everything's quite, especially when Colin Baker was the doctor. Um, it was very, very um, uh, political, Public. you know, and the BBC was very, you know, a little bit kind of cloak and dagger about things and stuff like that. So that's very public, isn't it? Like you say, mm. and very much out there, like what happened behind the scenes with Colin Baker and Tom Baker to an extent. But there isn't a great deal. Well, there isn't as much about that stuff around the Davison era. No. So it will be interesting to read what, what happened and his, his view on things. So it'd be a good yeah, book, I, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, I haven't I haven't read a lot of sort of um, stuff from him personally about his time on, on Doctor Who. I mean, I think if ever you hear him on a DVD commentary, he's always got plenty to say, hasn't he? And he's yeah. and he's quite honest as well. If he doesn't like a story, you know, he's very sort of um, candid about it. He will, you know, he will express his opinion and stuff. So, yeah, I think this will be really good. I'm, I'm actually quite looking forward to this. And it's, I was just seeing here, he's, he's only the third Doctor to write a, bi a biography, isn't he? So John Pertwee did one. Um, or did two actually, I think. Uh, Tom Baker did one, but hardly spoke about Doctor at all <laughs> in his, which yep. is uh, bizarre when you think how long it was the Doctor for. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this, and, and I hope it does sort of have a good chunk of Doctor in there because uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear about his time in it. Yeah. So I'll be getting this as well. Yeah. Yeah. Based on the title, um, I think it will have a, a large portion of it will be yeah. around who. Yeah. Yeah, good, stuff. Good, good shout. Cool. Well, in other news, and here's something that I think will please you, Gary. The um, the series one to four of, of Doctor Who uh, are finally coming to Blu-ray separately. So Yes. As, yes. Because yes. I, I bought that blimmin' great expensive box set, but you, you won't need to do this. <laughs> you will be able to buy them individually as of August, I believe. Uh, is it at the end of end of this month? Let's have a look. 31st, yeah. 31st. So as of the 31st of August, um, you'll be able to buy the, you know, the new series on Blu-ray, series one to four separately. So, yeah. I mean, the, the price-wise, they're still a little bit expensive. I think they're around about £25, aren't they? £24.99, something like that? Yeah. yeah. If you order from the BBC shop, um, I think they're normally 23 quid. Or right, something yeah. like that. They have got a promotion on at the moment, actually. If you're listening mm. to this podcast from today, the 28th of August, um, they have got a 15% off for the bank holiday weekend. 
Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, so if you're listening to this and you do want to order anything from them, now's the time to do it. Yeah. And they've also got free delivery on everything. So you're, you're going to get, what do you need? You need series, you need all four of these, don't you? I need you? all four because yeah. from Blu-ray, I've got the, the, the Series 4 specials onwards. So I need these right, ones. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because that's that's what's only been available separately up until now, isn't it? From the specials onwards, um, yeah. which is strange because these have been available separately in other countries like Australia since 2013. So they've taken their time getting these out over here. Um, and just to clarify, these are exactly the same as they were in the box set. So I know a lot of people um, have an issue with the fact that they um, they play at a different bit rate, isn't it? Um, they play so at slightly slower frame rate. Frame rate, yeah. 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 Um, and that's, you know, that they haven't sort of altered that. Um, these are exactly as they were. So they are, they do play slightly slower, which I've never quite got my head around. I'm, I'm not that technical, but I know it does bother some people. Yeah. So here's the thing with the frame rate. Um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice when you're watching it. Yeah. You really wouldn't. You know, the, I think they were filmed at 25 frames per second, but the kind of Blu-ray standard is 24. Um, but the only time that you would really notice a difference if you had two TVs next to each other, one with the DVD, one with the Blu-ray, and you played them at exactly the same time, um, when you got to the end of the episode, one would have finished like, I don't know, a few seconds quicker than the other one. Right, yeah. You know, as you, as you're what you say, if you just stick the Blu-ray in and start watching it, it's not going to your experience isn't going to diminish at all because you think it's running slow. You can't notice it's running slow. It's only when you compare it directly to the DVD. Oh, we do. That's I mean, that, that, that doesn't bother me at all, to be honest. Like I said, it's not something I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to notice personally. Um, I, I mean, I, I've got these obviously in the set, and they, they do look great. And I think I do believe the sound is better on them. It certainly seemed a bit, a bit clearer when I was watching them. Um, the only thing that bugs me about, about these Blu-rays is the fact that they didn't um, they didn't put the correct version of Time Crash on it. I'm not, I can't remember which series it was, but you know that Little Children in Need episode with Peter Davison and David Tennant. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, when that was released on DVD, they they managed to put um, an earlier version on there by mistake, so it was missing some of the sound effects. It was like an incomplete version of it, um, and I was really hoping that when they issued these on Blu-ray, that they would correct that. Um, plus a few other little minor things that they've got wrong on the DVDs, but they they haven't. So they're kind of like, they are kind of like exactly the same as the DVDs in terms of extras. Um, but that does also include these little tiny little errors that they they made when they issued them. So yeah. that's the only thing that disappoints about. But that's to be honest with you, that's the only one that sticks to my mind. I just wish they'd corrected that time crash because I would love to have it as it was actually shown, like the f- proper finished article, if you like. Yes, that is mm, that is one of the things that happens quite a lot with. Um, transfer over to Blu-ray and stuff mm. where the, the company that does it in this case it's BBC Worldwide they get a, they get a wee bit lazy really um, I don't know whether that's down to cost or something but it's kind of a missed opportunity because there's obviously yeah. like little faults you know that have occurred and now's the time to fix them really but they just don't really do that stuff they just concentrate on getting the, the transfer over to high def and that's it really so um so that is one thing to mention as well. These are upscaled. Um, so these weren't filmed in HD. Mm. Um, these were filmed in standard def back in the day. Yeah. Um, so these are upscaled. So they won't look as good as something like um, 
Series A, or even the Matt Smith stuff looks amazing on Blu-ray. Oh, it does, yeah. Um, so they won't look as good as that. They'll still look slightly dated. However, the thing that I'm uh, most looking forward to with these is really the sound mix. Because yeah. apparently the audio mix is really good for these. So It is, yeah, that yeah. is true. Yeah. So that's awesome news. Yeah, good news. Um, and I think, yeah, if you don't... If you go off and find, uh, just do a, a search around for these, you can find them a little bit cheaper. The cheapest I've found is Amazon, and they're £19 or £18.50 or something. Oh, right, okay. So uh, a couple of quid off. Um, but if you want to get free delivery from Amazon, you have to spend 20 quid, so you're a couple of quid short. Oh, but, right. Um, but yeah. I've ordered the first two for, for now, so yeah, that's all good. Excellent. All good. So moving on. Um uh, a bit of a, a bit of a clangor this one. Mm. So unfortunately, um, the the Doctor Who Symphonic Spectacular, which is on tour at the moment, um, has had a couple of shows cancelled. Yeah. Um, in a really cracking venue, which is a, a big shame. Um, so the uh, show was meant to land in New York in October, and it was going to be held at the Barclays Centre, and um, which I think is Brooklyn or just outside Brooklyn, and it's a really good venue, especially for something like this. It's huge. Mm. I think if you were to get that many Doctor Who fans in in this venue, it would just be so good. It, it, I mean, it's much bigger than the Albert Hall. Right. It's much bigger than where we saw it. I think, where was that? London? Uh, sorry, Wembley. Wembley Arena. Arena. Yeah. So it would be amazing to see it in there. But unfortunately, oh, it's been cancelled. Um, and it was going to be hosted by Michelle Gomez as well, which would have been fun. Yeah. I think for her to do it. Um, but the strange thing is that there's been no reason at all as to why it's been cancelled. So we can't give you a reason. So any um, of our US listeners who are going to this or know anything about it, please let us know. Um, but the company who was um, who was putting this on along with the BBC, I think they're called, what are they called? Uh, Vision 9. Well, it's, they just go on to say that um, the, the shows that was that was scheduled on October 7th, haven't unfortunately been cancelled. Um, all Ticketmaster online and phone orders will be refunded. Um, we apologise for inconvenience, but hope to see you at an event soon. And then it goes on to say that there are no plans to reschedule either. So a real strange one, this one. Yeah, and a little bit unfair, actually, to anyone who's bought a ticket, because um, if that was me... I'd want some sort of explanation. Yeah. It seems a little bit cold, that statement, doesn't it? Um, I mean, I can only assume, and this is pure speculation, that it's, it's down to ticket sales, that maybe they didn't sell enough. Um, you know, that, yeah. yeah, but I mean, that, that might not be the reason. That There could be, you know, some other reason. But yeah, to not give anything at all, I think is, is a little bit unfair to those that have, have splashed out hard-earned cash. For tickets, really. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what it was. I mean, it's a big venue, like you said. Yeah, it's massive. And it would have been so good to have that many people in there. I'm not saying that they would have sold the place out mm. necessarily, but to have that many Who fans in there and that whole experience. I mean, it's a bit like, it's more like the size of something like the O2 or yeah. something, you know, it's a massive stadium kind of thing. And it would have been so good to hear that music in a venue like that. So it is a shame, but... um yeah, hopefully they might. It does say that they're not going to reschedule at this time. However, you know, you never know. Yeah, yeah, sad, know. sad news. But yeah, let's hope they get some some more details on that. And like you said, if anyone knows, um, get in, get in touch. Get in touch, Ooh. and we'll stick it on our Facebook page. At least you guys know what's yeah. going on. Okay. Um, in other news, um, last bit of news actually. Um, 
depending on when you listen to this, this Thursday that's just gone, so the, the 27th of August, there was a premiere of The Magician's Apprentice uh, in Edinburgh, I believe, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, obviously we're recording this the Friday after that. Uh, there is going to be another premiere of The Magician's Apprentice and The Witch's Familiar. So the two, you know, the two parts are together. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is going to be in Cardiff, I believe. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've just got, sorry, my... I updated Windows 10 and all these things have popped across the screen blocking everything I'm trying to read. So, sorry. Bill Gates. <laughs> ah. um, so, yeah. So, this is going to be held on the 10th of September. Um, and tickets went on sale yesterday. I'm assuming they sold out within within seconds. Um, yep. Two-part two story. And, um, obviously, there's going to be a and a afterwards. And Peter, Jenna and Stephen are going to be there, as well as the producer, Brian Minchin. Michelle Gomez as well. And Michelle Gomez is going to be there, is she? Yep. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, so this is, I mean, this is a great event. And uh, what's that? So is that the week before it airs on TV, the 10th? It would just, just over more. a week, yeah. Yeah, yep. slightly more. So, but it's good that they're getting the two parts. So they're getting, you know, Magician's Apprentice and The Witch's Familiar um, all together in a big, it's going to be in Cineworld, isn't it? So it'll be a big, you know, on the big screen. Screen nine, no less. Screen nine, well, I don't yeah. know what that is, but how no, big that is but it's in screen nine they've made a point of it so as if as if it must be must be massive um but this is cool i mean the premiere yesterday um i one of my friends jamie i know he listens to the show hello jamie he he was lucky enough to go to the premiere and uh we were chatting last night in the group chat and he didn't give any spoilers we you know he was very good um but he was buzzing and he, he was just full of praise for the episode obviously he got to see part one and you know they only showed the first part and he just can't wait for to see the second part but um but he's not the only one that's been saying good things you know from those who have seen it um amazingly i haven't seen any spoilers yet um but you know everything i have seen has been really positive about about the opener so uh, that's really reassuring i think I'm, I'm really pleased to hear that yeah that is cool um i did have a little dig around um very fearful that i might run into some spoilers but um as usual true to form uh, the Who fandom is keeping tight-lipped, which mm. is great. Um, but um, just as you said, I've heard great things also. So that's quite reassuring. Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, I mean, I know my friend is, you know, he'll, he'll admit himself, he's quite hard to please. He's not one of these, um, you know, he said he sort of went into it very open-minded, but he, he said he really, really enjoyed it. He thought the writing was good. He thought um, it felt fresh. It's very... Uh, it's, well, a lot of people are saying this. It's like a, or more like a final than an opening episode. Um, that's the only thing that worries me because that sounds good, but I, ooh, I worry a little bit. <laughs> that 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 sets the precedent up for the rest of the series. But but no, um, yeah. What what we've heard so far about this episode is really good. Um, if you can get, if you are going to this premiere on the tenth of September, um, wow, just so jealous. <laughs> I just can't wait <laughs> to see it. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be very cool, and it's um. Uh, you are correct as well that the tickets did sell out. I think it was about seven minutes, this one. Right, okay. Yeah, so there's never any, um, there's, there should be never any doubt from the BBC whether, if they ever worry about Doctor Who's popularity, um, I don't think they have to worry for a long time. No, exactly. You know, it's, um, whenever you hear, we, we had this last season, uh, oh my God. Season? God, you haven't said that for a while. Wow, that was a... Mm. I haven't got my swear jar anymore either. Look, no, yeah, no, we haven't got the pound jar. Yeah, um, so we had this last series 
where um, we had a couple of different um, tabloids say things like um, Doctor Who's ratings have suffered the worst oh, yeah. in like a million years and um, <laughs> the show is, you know, on the verge of being cancelled and stuff like that. You know, when you read stuff like that, you must think, have you guys got nothing better to do? Because when you have events like this that sell out, you know, faster than a One Direction concert, you know, there must be something, you know, very, very much uh, there. Yeah, for must we do something right? Yeah. yeah. So um, if we have any more stories that come up like that again this series, um, yeah. <laughs> we, in fact, we're not even going to talk about them because it's just it, ridiculous it, rubbish. It will just burn your bacon. It will burn my bacon. Yeah. yeah it will grind my gears. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit worried about this. I think we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that we were saying about the fact that they were doing a premiere um, a, a month before the episode airs be because of spoilers, you know. And uh, it does seem, I mean, we said it before, it does seem that Doctor Who fans are very good at, at yeah. Uh, keeping you know keeping the spoilers to a minimum um yeah i mean it's like my friend last night he was dying to tell us stuff he said oh i just really oh i'd love to tell you but he said i'm not just saying this to get you annoyed you know but but i don't want to ruin it for you he said because it was so good going into it cold that that's okay. exactly how i want you guys to go into it that, that that was more or less his exact words he was just like you know i, I don't want to ruin this for you because it was just brilliant everything every twist and turn was just like brilliant so yeah it really got me even more excited than i already am for series nine so can't wait it's going to be well I, i'm assuming it's going to be very awesome yeah i was gonna say that is the other thing i'm trying yeah i've got to bring myself down a bit don't want to get don't want to get too excited otherwise it won't live up to it but yeah i i am well looking forward to it yeah it's gonna be ace it's gonna be ace yeah so that's gonna wrap for news yeah dude hello what are we reviewing this week? Well, it's, it is, we're talking about uh, him earlier, the fifth Doctor, um, and this week he's with the Daleks, Resurrection of the Daleks. Welcome, Doctor. I have waited many years for this meeting. I'm sorry to have detained you. It was but a pleasure deferred. Now you are here, you will repay tenfold for the mental agony I suffered. I'll say one thing for you, Davros. Your conversation is totally predictable. You're like a deranged child. Always talk of killing, revenge, and destruction. It is the only path to ultimate power. But to what end? Just more suffering for those unlucky enough to survive? Only for those who resist my will. What are you doing? Until I walked through that door, I foolishly hoped you'd changed enough for me not to have to do this. I'm not here as your prisoner, Davros. But your executioner. Uh-oh. Ooh. Uh-oh. That, that is Davison at top of his game, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what a great scene. Yeah, that scene really shocked me, actually. Did it? Yeah. Yep. I thought he was going to go through with it. I couldn't see it, but I, I love that scene. I, do, I love the standoff between, between the Doctor and Davros in that bit. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Very cool. So, Resurrection. Resurrection of Daleks. This was um, uh, back in '84, um, and this um, was depending on how you watch it. I think when it first aired, it was just two episode, two episodes um, of around 45 minutes. But if you watch it now, if you get the DVD, it's split into four episodes. Yeah, 25 minutes each, um, which I'm kind of 
uh, I wouldn't have because this is um, I wouldn't have mind watching this over two episodes. I didn't think it was one of those classic who's where you're bored out of your mind. No, no, I think actually um, it could have worked very well as two forty-six minute episodes, or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's got good, it's got enough going on, I think, to actually um, to carry that off. Uh, it, but having said that. Um, I like. I think it's got some cracking cliffhangers. I think all the cliffhangers in this are really good. So it kind of works both ways. Yeah, true. And I shouldn't have said that, really. Why? Bored out of your mind. <laughs> I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't say I've ever been bored out of my mind watching Who, even the slow ones. But, but yeah, you know what I mean. Some of them do move rather slowly at times. It's probably I, a better way of saying it. Yep. Mm. Um, so yeah, so it's back in Feb '84, and this was um, uh, a pretty good script actually, Eric Sawood. Um, what are you laughing at? I think it's Saywood. Saywood. I don't know. Sawood. Sawad. 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 Let's call. Oh, I like that. Eric Sawad. Um, yeah. Let's say Saywood. <laughs> okay. Have no, you... I like Sawad. Sawad. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty good script, actually. It's great. Um, it's got kind of a. Um, it's it's actually the 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 way this is written is quite. Um, quite dark in places oh it's very yeah you know, it's quite dark and it's got a sense of kind of foreboding about it and um uh it's almost it, it's it's a bit andra's it's a bit caves it's got a massively high death count <laughs> oh it has yeah. yeah massive death count like a lot more than you would expect from a doctor who story mm. um because some of the other classic who's have got a reasonable death count in some of them but this one's quite gritty, isn't it? And I, I think actually, the music really adds atmosphere to this because it's a real, it's a real strange soundtrack. But I, I think it works well actually with the whole sort of grimness of the of the setting. I, I quite like mm. it. It is very cool. Yeah, Malcolm Hulk, I think, is it? Malcolm Clark. Malcolm Clark. Oh, Malcolm Hulk's a writer. Yeah, Malcolm <laughs> Clark. Yeah, doing the music, and um, yeah, he's. He's done some quite. He done the music for the Sea Devils, and that was bizarre as well. Okay. But this is sort of. I think this actually works quite well in the story to add to the atmosphere. Yeah, it's cool. Um, so it is a bit dark. It's a little bit, um, and it's also one of those. It's kind of. I don't want to say it's a sad story overall, um, but it does. A, it is a little bit because um, it's uh, Tegan's exit as well. Yeah. So it has got a kind of a. Um, I wouldn't say a depressing undertone to it, but it's just not one of the happiest um, Who stories that you'll watch. No, it's, and it's funny I mean? because um, a lot of the, this is sort of more in the tone of, of some of Colin Baker's stories. Um, but for me, I, I'll just come off the bat and just say I really, really enjoy this one. Whereas uh, I find Colin's stories quite grim, but not necessarily enjoyable. So I don't know, there's, there's a lot going for this story and then there's something... There's something in there that, that I actually, like you said, it, it does rise above the sort of, you know, the grimness that's, that's in there, if that, if that makes sense. So, I mean, yes. there's, there's, yeah. there's more to it. I actually think it's a really cracking story. And it, um, it kicks off. I mean, the action kicks off straight away. Like, it, it, it's been a while since I watched this one. And it, I, I put it on yesterday. And like, we're, we're straight into it, aren't we, with these guys bursting out of this, um, you know, on the, onto this London sort of derelict warehouse and yeah. it we're straight into it and it's um yeah it's raining it's it's dark you know but then it's got other great moments like you know there's lots of sort of nice little touches in there that that mean it's not depressing to watch it's just a really good gritty story i think yes 
I like that setting as well. Mm. It's kind of really old school London uh, industrial bit down by the Thames, I'm assuming. Shad Thames, yeah. Yep. Um, if, you, if you ever go down there, it's um, <laughs> it's a far cry from that now. It's um, it's actually really nice. It's, they've all been turned into. It still looks the same, but it's all shops and restaurants and that there. Yeah. Uh, it's a really cool little place to go actually. Just if you if you watch the story, it's a really great little place just to wander around because you sort of, you know, it's, it's they've sort of kept all the industrial bits like all the walkways going across, and you know you can still sort of see the feel the original sort of locations there but obviously yeah all the little units have been turned into shops and restaurants so yeah it's a good mix of new and old i, I love going down to shad thames just because of their story okay so you can imagine um uh stein crouching up there cowardly oh, definitely uh, yeah <laughs> and i always like walking up to the where the tardis lands because that that's a little bit different now there's like this little boat walkway it goes out because at first i was thinking where is that bit i mean obviously the you know you've got the bridge in the background so yeah there's a few little bits that have changed i mean the steps that tegan runs down at one point where the policeman gets shot um no sorry the guy in the river gets shot by the policeman those steps are gone because i spent ages trying to work out where they were um, when i was there but but yeah the majority of it hasn't really changed apart from it's been really cleaned up and um, you know yeah. sort of modernized if you like but yeah it hasn't actually changed in, in the sense of the sort of feeling of the area yeah yes yeah. yeah, well worth going down to i've walked through there once bef- before it's quite a few years ago now but i do remember that thinking it was um it's got this lovely old old worldly feel about it still mm. even though it's quite modern in what they've done to it but it's very very cool little walk down there yeah it is yeah i feel like i want to go there actually (laughs) again i have been there a few times but watching this yesterday i was thinking i really just fancy going for a wander down there again yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's cool so in terms of the story then i mean it's quite i mean there's like i said there's a lot going on in this isn't there there's a lot of different groups um into i don't really know where to start with the story really i mean it sort of kicks off with these these um futuristic humanoids being chased down this street um, and it turns out that the Daleks are, are, are traveling through time. They've got like a time tunnel. Corridor. Time corridor, that's the word I'm looking for, yeah. Um, and what is it they're trying to do? Yeah, so they've... Because um, they're making duplicates of people, aren't they? Which yeah, is... well, it comes off the back of um, um, Destiny of the Daleks. So it's set yeah. after the war with the um, the Mavellans. Mavellans, yeah. So they the Mavellans have come up with this kind of poison um, that can that can destroy the Daleks, and they're trying to track down Davros so that they can so that he can help them come up with an antidote. So they've tracked him down because Davros is currently prisoner on this um, ship. Yeah, in like a frozen chamber, isn't it? Yeah, he's in like some sort of cryo freezing prison chamber thing um and so the daleks have tracked him down so they invade this ship release him um to try and get this antidote um and obviously in the mix the doctors landed um and then the kind of plans go a bit skew with it's kind of so you've got these humanoid replicates haven't you Mm. um who are acting on behalf um, they're kind of being controlled by the Daleks, which are these humans that have been killed, but then they've been replicated and they're just carrying out the the Daleks' work. Um, so those guys are kind of troops, if you like, soldiers for the Daleks. And one of them um, kind of 
fights against it at some point. Yeah. Um, and ends up freeing the doctor. Um, and then, uh, as it, like you say, there's a lot going on, but as a, it kind of, oh, what's the best way to describe it? So it starts off as like two separate stories. Mm. You've got this, you've got this stuff happening on earth where you've got the replicates who are, um, uh, in this abandoned warehouse and they're chasing down these prisoners that they've got. Um, yep. and then up in the ship, they're being boarded by the Dalek fleet to try and free Davros. That's right. And then the time that they come together is when, uh, well, first of all, um, uh, Turlo wanders through the time tunnel, tunnel corridor, mm. whatever, and ends up on the Dalek ship or the ship where the Daleks are. And it isn't until the Doctor and all those guys end up there. That's when the two stories kind of come together. Yeah. I think is the right way of saying it. Yeah. And we've got in the, in the mix of this, we've got loads of, of characters. And, and actually, uh, considering the short time we have to get to know them, I think all the characters are, are, are brilliant in this. Um, apart from one, which we'll come on to, is a little bit thing. Um, but <laughs> but the, some of the characters we get to meet. So you mentioned Stein, um, played by Rodney Buse, um, who I always think of because uh, I'm of a certain age. I always think of him as um, one of the likely lads. The likely um, lads. So yep. Yeah, which was a comedy back in the day. So he's more known for his comedy roles. But do you know what? I think he's great in this. I really liked liked um, the way he plays the part, especially when he's sort of really confused and fighting, you know, to try and find his own mind inside this duplicate body. I, I thought I really liked him as Stein. And when he's playing the sort of human side, he's got like a stutter. And when he's the duplicate, he's sort of talks, yeah, you know, without cool. it. And yeah. I, I, it's just a really nice little touch. And I don't know if that was his decision or, or, or whether that was in the script. But, yeah, it's a nice little touch. But do, what, what do you think of Stein? Yeah, I think uh, Rodney Buse is brilliant in this. Yeah, really like, good. He was so believable as well. It was like the cowardly, stuttering um, kind of imbecile, really, um, who can't really get any, he can't really get anything done. He's useless in battle, and you know. And then when he when he when we see his replica, it's completely different. He mm. he plays that part so well, where he's very stern and the stutter's gone. You know, he's a bit darker, but then has his, has his mind sort of struggles against the the dalek control towards the end he kind of goes between the two and then he's just he plays that really well yeah really it's quite a shock isn't it when well i thought quite a shock when he when he turns on the doctor you know when they arrive on the spaceship because you know mm -hmm. up to that point you just think he's this cowardly guy he doesn't really want to go and then they get on the spaceship and he suddenly pulls a gun on the doctor and says i'm actually a dalek agent and i me yeah. i was like whoa what yeah, yeah. that's because yeah, he played that so well Mm. the 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 stein that's very bumbling um it is completely believable you would have no clue yeah. um that he would actually turn out to be a dalek agent it's very very cool and it's a great it's a great scene actually when he's um sort of preparing the doctor to have his mind recorded on this real tape or whatever it is but um yeah there's a great scene between two of them isn't it where the doctor's trying to get him to think of memories to you know to confuse him to stop him doing what he's doing and both of them play that scene brilliantly don't they yeah you know because he's really getting he's like i can't remember what it is he's trying to get him to remember but yeah he's he's really struggling with his own conscience and he, it's really well played and davidson's great in that as well um, yeah i think he's trying to get him to recite the first oh no some kind of law 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. trying to get him to recite like the First Amendment or something like that. Mm. Actually, that whole scene's good because we get to see some nice old clips, and um, I'd completely forgotten that. It's always great when we see little clips of old um, episodes, isn't it? We get to see some of the old companions on the screen because they're looking at the Doctor's memories, and we get to see some of the old Doctors as well. I think we get to see all of them actually. Um, I like that that little that little scene. Oh, up on the screen. Yeah, just yeah. It's always, always just like to see old clips in Doctor Who. Yeah, it's kind of extracting. I think it's trying to visualise the Doctor's memories, isn't it, in his thoughts? That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, so just to finish off the story, um, it's one of those weeks where I'm really struggling to kind of put the story into words because um, mm-hmm. it, it is quite busy in terms of what's going on. It is. Um, so w- when Davros realises that... Um, he wants to become I, I guess he wants to become like the supreme commander again the, yeah there's kind know. of a there's kind of a sort of um battle of wills isn't it between davros being the leader of the daleks and the supreme dalek who sort of organized this whole breakout of the from the uh chamber so there's yeah he sort of wants davros to help them but davros still wants to be in control of the daleks but yes but the supreme dalek's having none of it is he he's, he's like no 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 it. i'm the boss now and davros is like but i'm the creator you know, so there's a bit of a, you know, battle of wills there. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, Davros does manage, he's got this brilliant thing hidden in his in his chair, hasn't he, that's, that manages to corrupt um, the minds of people and also Daleks. So he manages to convert two Daleks to be on his side yeah. um, by injecting them with this strange device, which he's previously used on uh, the guy who plays Dirty Den. Uh, what's his name? Leslie Grantham. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. It's a very. I don't know what's going on with that thing. It's quite almost quite comical, isn't it? When they get injected in the neck, as like a, a strange professor <laughs> or something that gets it yeah. in the neck and does a really comedy sort of. Ah! But uh, yeah. So yeah. So Davros is sort of being clever as always and and managing to get a few Daleks on his side. And I think the Supreme Dalek kind of realizes that he's he's never going to get Davros under his thumb. So he then decides that. Yeah, he's had enough of Davros, and it was a bad idea even trying to, you know, get on, get him on board. So he decides to sort of turn on Davros, then, doesn't he? That's it. That's and when it all kicks off. Orders his extermination, but yeah. like you say, Davros has got a few, um, a couple of uh, troops and Daleks under his command at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then also, we get a bit of a Dalek fight, don't we? Which is good. Yeah. They all start turning on each other. Yeah. So what happened? I think uh, one thing that I missed actually was the reason why. Davros is so miffed is because he's been in prison for something like 90 years or something. Mm. Um, yeah, 90 years of mind-numbing boredom, <laughs> as he puts it. So because of that, because he's been imprisoned by humans, he now has got this master plan to destroy humanity, hasn't he? That's right, yeah. As a, as, as revenge. And so he's he's also... So the first thing is he's he wants to overthrow the Supreme... Dalek because he wants to be back on like you know top of the pile so he wants to be like the ruler of the Daleks again he Mm. wants to take revenge on humans because they've imprisoned him for nearly 100 years so he wants to wipe out the planet basically then he finds out that the doctor's involved in this so then he wants to kill the doctor as well Mm. (laughs) so there's kind of multiple um, motives I guess for Davros um, and I get the feeling that this whole thing would have gone swimmingly for the Daleks if they hadn't have freed Davros. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was like their their main sort of problem. 
they'd forgotten that he's, he's got a bit of a screw loose, basically. Yeah. And um, <laughs> now there's another subplot running with this as well. Um, so there's this guy called um, uh, General or Commander Lytton. Lytton, like, yeah. Yeah, applied by uh, Maurice Colborne. And he's kind of working with the Daleks. Now, I'm not, I don't know how he, how, and his men how they got involved with the Daleks because he does explain it briefly where he was saying that the war between the um, the Daleks and the Mavellans, basically the Daleks were done. They were going to yeah. be defeated. They were on their, they were on the ropes basically. And this guy Lytton says that without us, you would have been defeated. Yeah. And Davros's reaction is just like, what? He can't believe it, can he? He flips. He like, absolutely flips. Yeah. There's no way that, the Daleks could have been defeated. And secondly, there's no way that they would have been helped by humans. Um, but I'm not, I, I can't, there's probably, a, it's probably in a novelization or something around this. You guys could let us know, but I'd, I'm not sure the circumstances as to why Lytton and these soldiers decide to help the Daleks in the first place. I'm not quite sure on that. No, I'm not sure. However, throughout this story, um, it's very clear that the, um, relationship between Lytton, his men and the Daleks is very kind of on a knife edge because the Daleks are very much um in this story anyway they're very much a case of um you've you've messed up now you're dead or yeah. you're of no use to us anymore so you're dead so this guy Lytton he's constantly like I mean it would stress me out I wouldn't be able to cope with that because <laughs> he's con like every single thing that he does is constantly like are the Daleks going to kill me you know, because even one of even Stein mentions him at some point, you know, you know, how long is it going to be for you or or you might be next or something like that. Um, so there's that story as well. So you've got Lytton. He's kind of um, tr doing his best to kind of stand up to the Supreme Dalek to say, like, you know, me and my men have done this because it's the right thing to do. And, you know, without us, you wouldn't have been able to do this. But Daleks being Daleks are having none of it. They're like. You know, we don't need you kind of thing. So there's that story plot as well. Yeah, I mean, the Daleks um, haven't got a lot of patience, have they? If someone if someone sort of fails the first <laughs> hurdle, they're like, oh, get, exterminate them. They even do it to Davros. Because I, I was thinking they turn on him very quickly, don't they? As soon as he's seeing, they're like, oh, Davros is unreliable. Do kill him. You know, they're just like, they, oh, they haven't yeah. got a lot yeah. of patience, the, the, these Daleks. Um, yeah. But but go back to Lytton uh, again, another, another good character, another good performance as mm -hmm. well. Um, yeah, really like Lytton. Um, yes. And he works really well in the story. There's another group of people as well. Yeah. We have the, uh, the, the military guys in the warehouse who turn up. Now, the lead guy, again, uh, he's not in it that much, but brilliant performance from him. Um, the guy who gets uh, duplicated um, and comes back and his, his duplicate's got the gun. So that's how they realise his duplicate. I don't know what his name is in the story. Do, do you know? Uh, sort of like the main leader of the the army guy oh is it uh it's either colonel archer or sergeant calder i think it's calder yeah because he goes out to try and find a policeman and uh and then sort of gets duplicated doesn't he but he again he he's not in it that much but a great little performance because he's really sinister isn't he you it's very underplayed you know what i mean he comes back and he just is obviously tegan and the other girl uh, are just sort of um well they're trying to escape really aren't they from him because they've realized that he's a duplicate so they're He's kind of holding them prisoner, but it's it's just sort of very underplayed 
the whole scene really uh, yeah. the way he's sort of keeping them trapped they know he's a duplicate he knows that they know but it's all unsaid um and the whole fact that they're trying to get away from him but can't it, it's really well done and i think yeah he just plays it really well i think really sinister yeah i think that guy we're talking about is colonel archer yes i think it was the yeah group commander um yeah so that that whole thing's really cool as well because um because that that's really i think when the doctor first sort of comes into the story properly mm. um because they're there looking for the time corridor um then the the i think it, i think they describe themselves as a, the bomb disposal unit that's right yeah which is obviously part of the army but that's then where the kind of because i guess he thinks that um uh, the doctor thinks that you know every time that he encounters like the military or something like that they they consider him a threat but in this one it's kind of weird because the doctor says um you know we're here looking for something and when he mentions it these army guys they it's not they're not phased at all are they so the doctor instantly clicks he's like well you obviously know what's going on yeah because they don't let anything away um and then they end up kind of working together for a while which is which is kind of cool it's almost got like a unit feel to it that bit a little bit and i think it's because they know that the doctor they they pick up that the doctor knows perhaps more about it than they do i think because of when that dalek arrives and the doctor knows what it is and he destroys it doesn't he by pushing it out the window they sort of sort of because at first they're they sort of just going to arrest him and then they realize actually this guy seems to know what's going on so let's you know let's pair up with him um which is good i, I love the bit by the way when when they go and collect all the Dalek pieces and they manage to bring in the, the mutant from inside and it wraps itself around that guy's neck. I mean, it's a, even though he's ho clearly holding it to his neck, it looks horrible, doesn't it? It's really slimy. Mm, yeah. And it's, it, and again, I think because the music's going crazy, it's a, it's a really um, disturbingly brilliant scene. And, and especially when they're trying to find it afterwards and, you know, they turn over the cloth and it's actually a cat under there and then it goes to the guy and, you know, it's pretty, pretty horrific, but in a, but in a really good way, it's, it's, uh, you know, again, it just another great example of how many bits in this are unsettling, but, mm -hmm. but gripping to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we were saying earlier. It's a, it's quite a dark story at times. Mm. Um, it, it, I was going to come on to this little while, but, um, we, we have the thing where the, we actually see the doctor handling a, a gun. Yeah, yeah, very for, unusual. For a little while. And I think he, I, I can't be 100% sure, but there's a scene where in the, in the old warehouse um, in London, um, after they've destroyed one of the Daleks, um, and as you say, it's, it's, you know, it goes around people's necks and stuff. So there's, mm. there's like, well, I think it's part of a Dalek anyway. Yeah, it's the mutant, isn't it? Yeah, and when they find it, I'm pretty sure the doctor fires on it with the pistol that he's been he given. Does. He does. He does. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of, that's what I meant by this story is quite dark because it, the, the doctor's actually doing things that you would n not really, that's why I said earlier that I thought that the doctor was going to go through with, with, with killing Davros mm. because he had, he didn't even think twice before about, you know, killing a Dalek with a, with an old school pistol. Yeah. Um, back in a warehouse. So, it, it is very dark and stuff. And it also, um, when we mentioned the, the body count and stuff like that, it's got no, this one's got no problem at all, this story, in just wiping out a whole group of people at once. Mm. And it happens like three or four times in the story. Yeah. Um, which reminds me, there's another group of people. 
There is, yeah. There's another group of people. There's some people. So the ship that the uh, the Daleks board, um, there's a there's I think there's about half a dozen crew members who have survived, and their kind of plan is they know that they've they know that they can't defeat the Daleks or these soldiers with what they've got. So they they know that the game's up. So their plan is to hunt down the self-destruction device for their ship, let loose on that, and then, you know, as a kind of self-sacrifice, at least they'll be wiping out these Daleks and stuff like that. Yeah. So they've got their thing going on as well, and they kind of interact with mainly Turlo, because we've you kind of forget about Turlo a little bit, because mm. he doesn't really do much in this episode. No, he kind of gets it embroiled up with them but yeah he doesn't do a lot which is kind of strange because he he's in it quite a bit turlo um but all you see him do really is kind of running between rooms yeah and, and sneaking around his tie. <laughs> and straightening his tie a lot yeah. yeah um but he does actually run into these guys and they kind of mistake each other and he convinces them that there is a way off the ship you know so they convince him that yeah that's fine but we still need to do the self-destruct thing so they kind of compromise and Ultimately, they get killed, but one of the crew members sort of buggers off with Turlo to go and find his time corridor. So you've got that little thing going on as well. Mm. There's a lot, isn't there? There is a lot, yeah. There is, there is a lot in this one. And while we're talking about that group, then that, that does bring me on to the, the one sort of character that I think... She's not bad, but she's she's not great either, and that's, that's Rula Lenska um, playing... Styles. She's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think she's. I think she's trying hard, actually. I, do th- I don't think she's going she doesn't go too over the top but she is a bit annoying um she's sort of trying to play the very powerful no nonsense sort of you know character um but it's a little bit cringy at times i think i was quite you know it's 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 a very minor negative actually because i still think she's okay in it but uh, but out of all the brilliant characters we've got she's the one that's a little bit to i was going to say pantomime but that's not really fair on her but you know what i mean she's not yeah. as sort of believable if you like as as the others to me she's just a little bit too over the top like when she's when they're having the sort of shoot off when the daleks explode through the door um and she's like can't we take the fight to them and she's sort of jumping over the box so i was a little bit like oh yeah but um but yeah she's she's not too bad but out of all the brilliant performances hers to me does slightly let it down i know what you mean it's um yeah yeah, it's I wouldn't. I agree with you. I wouldn't say that it's pantomime. No, it's and not I, pantomime. No, and I wouldn't say it's over the top. It's kind of. I think you nailed it. But I think yeah, you can see that she's trying very hard. So I think maybe this wasn't, and maybe it's down to the direction or something. I'm not sure, but it does come across like she's not a hundred percent comfortable. Yeah, I mean, when I say she's trying, I mean you can tell she's taking it seriously. She's not sort of hamming it up. No, but she's no. just, um, maybe she's just not, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just more the character, actually, than her performance. I just found, I think she's supposed to be a bit sort of in your face annoying, to be honest with you. So, yeah. But, yeah, as I say, I, I still think she works okay in terms of the story. Yeah. Um, but just have to go back to, very quickly to that, you know the bit you were saying about when the Doctor is going to shoot Davros? Well, let's, let's um, yeah, we're going to come on to that. Let's do it. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, let, let, let's talk about, Terry Malloy's Davros and just quickly go back to that scene because one of the things I love um, is that like you said you do believe the Doctor might be doing it because 
they tie it in with the scene in Genesis because the Doctor actually says in this story, doesn't he? I had the chance to destroy the Daleks once. I didn't do it. I'm not going to make that mistake again. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. You know, yep. this time the Doctor's realised, you know, I've got to, I've got to go through with this. And he's so when also, he is, yeah, he's also already busted a cap. Yeah, into a Dalek mutant. Yeah. So in this one, the Doctor's really, like you said, we are seeing a different side. We're seeing the Doctor sort of almost pushed to the edge, thinking like. I've got to stop this. You know, I, I can't, I can't be nice anymore. I've really got to sort of do this because, you know, I've let it happen too many times. All these people around me are dying. I've got to stop them. And it's really good to see the doctor. So push so far to the edge like that. And, um, actually before we get into that, as we're talking about doctor, let's talk a bit about Davison, shall we? Cause he, he's yeah. brilliant in this, isn't he? You know, the, he really plays this well in the story. Oh yeah. You know, you yeah. know, yeah, he's um, he's he's kind of on point in every scene, really. Yeah. Because um, there are times where um, there are some stories where the Doctor's not really pushed to do much. I mean, there are a couple of Pertwee stories and a couple of Hartnell ones, and there's a, there's a couple of stories throughout most of the classic era, really, where. The, the Doctor's not really pushed in his performance, or the actor's not really pushed, because the story doesn't account for it. Yeah, it's um, sort of going through the motions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas on this story, you've got the Doctor who's acting very um, kind of, you know, as an investigator and stuff like that towards, you know, around the beginning. Um, you've then got him very worried about, you know, what is what is happening around him to the people that are being killed and stuff. He's also worried about the the master plan of the Daleks, and more specifically, Davros. Mm. You've then got this darker side of him. He's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not having this anymore. And then you've got this painful, um, he's kind of pained in a self bit where um, Stein is trying to replicate him and get into his mind. Yeah. So he's very much like, he, you know, that point, he's very much a tortured soul kind of thing. And he's kind of desperate at that point. And then you've got the, um, once everything is done, we've got him kind of having to deal with the loss of Tegan, you know, and he plays that quite, I think he plays that a bit kind of downbeat and a bit underrated at the end there. Mm. You know, he's, you can tell he's upset, but he's not really, you know, he, he would never break down. It wouldn't be a David Tennant moment or anything like that. No. Um, and then we kind of, as him and Turla go off in the TARDIS, it's kind of everything's reset and he's off again. So I really like this story and the way that Davison plays all of these different bits just so well. And mm. he's 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 on the ball for all of it as well. There isn't yeah. a scene where you think, you know, you know that was a bit lazy or they didn't have time to do that. He's just on it the whole time. Very very cool. Yeah, because I think we 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 talked earlier actually where we talk about um, Peter Davison's Doctor in uh, at the start of the podcast and saying that he can be quite a light Doctor. He can be sort of uh, a bit breezy, like I said. And but when you see him like this, you realise what a great Doctor Davison was because uh, he he does. He's he's really in control. Um, he's really no nonsense in this as well. Like when um, Stein is, you know, when he still thinks he's good uh, and the doctor's saying to him, you're coming with me. He's like, he's, he's absolutely taking no nonsense. You know, like he's got this poor, cowardly sort of stuttering man. And Davison's doctor's like, no, you're coming with me on that Dalek ship. I need you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's quite, yeah. yeah. Whereas sometimes Davison's doctor would have been, you know, very sympathetic towards that character and sort of, you know, just tapped him on the shoulder, you stay here. But no, in this one, he's sort of, um, yeah, he's pushed to the edge and really, really on the ball. As I say, I think Davison's superb in it. And I'd love to have seen more 
of his doctor like this. I think, um, like you said, this sort of reminds me of Kay's Van Dersani, that sort of performance. He's yeah. really sort of, there's a, there's a, you know, he's still the good guy, but there's an edge to the, this sort of fifth doctor that we don't always see, especially sort of earlier on. Yes. If you think about yeah. him in like um, sort of um, Black Orchid, for example, you know, that's almost like a totally different, that's a very relaxed fifth doctor, isn't it? Compared to this one, that's like, right. You know, I've got to kill Davros. You know, this is a very, very different doctor that we're seeing in this story. Yeah. yeah. Almost completely different. Mm. Yeah. So Davison, uh, home run for this one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, shall we talk very briefly about uh, Tegan? Tegan's uh, he, our, last, our last story. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I do want to chat a bit, a little bit about Terry Malloy's Davros as well. Oh, but, sorry. Um, yeah, let's do Davros. Yeah, let's do yeah. Davros. Only because I think, um, obviously, Terry Malloy, you know, we've had a couple of different Davros. Um, people play Davros and um, Michael Wisher, obviously, and in Destiny. Um, oh, gosh, I've forgotten his name. It's that chap we met at the convention. Um, David Goodison. Oh, yeah, David Goodison, yeah. <laughs> oh, yep. gosh. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, um, Goodison often gets sort of a bit of criticism for his performance as Davros. Um, I think mainly because his voice wasn't treated. So he just sounds a bit, you know, the performance is a bit flat. So yeah. I think Malloy, obviously being cast as Davros in this one, because Goodison wasn't available, um, I think he's great. I think he gives a fantastic performance. Considering he's somebody under a big rubbery mask, he manages to inject um, emotion and and real sort of, um, wow, like I said, he's quite loopy at times. You know, he's going mad, but... He can also be really subtle. Like I absolutely love when they first free him from the cro. I can't never say this word. The chamber, <laughs> cryogenic, <laughs> cryogenic chamber. When they free him and those the door opens to the two darts there, he just pauses and looks at them because yeah. he's unsettled. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it, you know, this is a guy in a mask. The fact that he's not really doing anything, but you know that he's just like, hmm, not sure what's going on here. Mm. You know, I just think, yeah, he plays plays the craziness brilliantly. And also the subtleness. I think he, he's a really good Davros. I really rate Terry Malloy. Um, I yeah, I echo your thoughts there, mate. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I thought he was really, really good in this. Um, he, there was a couple of scenes where, because um, regardless of who's playing Davros, um, I think Davros as a character is very kind of, um, very kind of loose cannony. Mm. and very kind of unhinged you can you can yeah. tell that he's you know basically insane and he's very much you know power hungry and he's on the edge all the time so i think whoever plays davros needs to really embody that and really come across as you know who can portray that kind of on the edge insanity but still mm. trying to be this kind of genius professor kind of thing and there are a couple of scenes in this where davros is having a little speech and He's screaming. Oh, you yeah. know, he's going absolutely mad. So towards the end of his little monologue, he's really screaming mm. and you know shaking in his chair. And you know that is all testament really to to Terry Malloy because I think with a role like Davros, you've either just got to go for it or just don't bother. Yeah. So you know the fact that he absolutely went for it on a few of those scenes is um is all testament really. So yeah, I think Davros in this is brilliant. Yeah, really, really good. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I lo- like you said, uh, the scenes between him and Davidson as well work, work brilliantly because he, you know, yeah, he does that mad shouty bit, but then in scenes like that with him and the Doctor, he brings it right down and then you sort of then get the clever 
you know, you, that that's the thing. You get to see that Davros is, yeah, he's a bit unhinged, but he's really clever. And I think that's yeah. what Malloy portrays really well. He is clever, but he's obviously he's been frozen for 90 years and he was a bit mad before he went in. So, <laughs> so you know, he's, um, yeah, he's a little bit unhinged and unpredictable. Um, and I love it. I just, yeah, I'd love to have seen a bit more of um, of Malloy's Davros because in Remembrance, we only really get to see him for a few minutes at the end inside the big egg cup, don't we? Um, well, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a waste of opportunity because I, I do think Malloy's brilliant. Oh, actually, of course, we do get him in... Um, get him in... Uh, Resurrect... No, this is Resurrection. Revelation, don't we? Do we? Yeah, Revelation of the Daleks. That's, that's Malloy as well. Um, yeah. Colin Baker. So. Yeah, I'll have to... Uh, Res- have to oh, Revelation, of course, yeah. Revelation. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. watched that for so long. I'd, I'd completely forgotten about it. Um, but yeah, of course, we get him in that. But again, he's a bit contained because he's in that um, glass tube for, uh, for the majority of the story. I was going to say, you just see his head. Yeah. Don't you, Freddy? So, yeah. Whereas in this, he's proper full, in full flow Davros. You know what I mean? He's got his got his little device for for um, manipulating people. And he's, yeah, he's sort of ready to go. He just, unfortunately, he doesn't really get the chance because oh, I love it at the end where he throws the little um, capsule at the Daleks. He's so pleased with himself, isn't he? that he actually can't believe it when it starts affecting him. Yeah. Uh, it's so great. I just love the way he's just so evil. He's just like, yeah, die. And then he's like, what? No, <laughs> I'm not a Dalek. What the? Yeah, you know, brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And he's very good um, in some big Finnish stuff as well. Yeah. So one of the first big Finnish audio dramas that I ordered was Davros. Yeah, it's great. And he's very, very, he's, he's very, very good in that as well. That is a good story. Again, I, do you know, I haven't listened to that for a long time, but I, I remember absolutely loving that. Really enjoyed that. I, remember, I bought it when it first came out. It was probably how long ago it is since I've heard it. But yeah. yeah, it's a very good story, that is. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of good, a lot of good, a uh, lot of love there for Malloy. Really good. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, so yeah, let's get on to Tegan then, because it's, like you said, it's her last story. Um, and actually, this is, again, one of the slightly, I mean, there's, I really like this. This is very, very little negative things to say about it but one of them is that it's her last story but she gets to do absolutely nothing i know she, she basically yep. spends pretty much most of it in a sleeping bag um <laughs> with a, a plane you know she gets a few scenes with that lady who used to be in play school um but yeah she gets nothing to do and it's her last story and i think that's one of the few sort of downsides of it um that yeah she doesn't really i mean it's a nice subtle ending it's you know it's actually it's quite nice the way she leaves because she's just considering what you know how the story has played out she's just like god i can't be doing with this you know all these people being killed all around me and i think you would feel a bit like that um if you had been her because yeah there's bodies everywhere um so it's really nicely done and i like the way she just says i've had enough it stopped being fun you know i can't cope with this but yeah, it's a shame she didn't get more to do, considering it's her, her last outing. Yep. And when I first watched this one, and it actually happens, I thought it again, actually, when I watched it this morning, it, it, it's almost like you think to yourself, we're running out of time. Mm. Uh, it, you know, if I read this wrong, is is it five episodes? You know, is there another episode where we get to see Tegan, you know, do some really amazing stuff and then kind of... But you don't. It's not. It's literally, isn't it? The last what four minutes? Yeah. Three or four minutes of the of the last episode, where she just literally just out of the blue at the end turns around and says, "I, I don't want to come with you." 
And then the doctor's like, what? What are you talking about? And she's like, I, I can't. There's been so many good people that have died today. I can't mm. take this anymore. And then she kind of shakes hands with the doctor and Turlow and then she's off. Yeah, there's uh, just one little look back, isn't there? Literally um, right at the end where, yeah, mm. she says, like, I'll miss you, doctor, and stuff like that. But that is it. And um, it's really subtle. And I think it's... Um, do you know what? I think just generally back in the day with, with Classic Who, they didn't really long out, you know, companion or doctor's exits that much. No, no. Um, if we think to something in contrast like David Tennant's exit as the doctor yeah. or um, Rose's exit especially, um, that, you know, that was longed out over a whole episode almost, <laughs> you know, with those guys going. Whereas this one, it's very, very quick. And I think that's maybe... You know, for me personally, I don't really have a problem with the whole tenant exit and the Rose exit. I think it's quite beautifully written by RTD, those things. But I know that a large portion of fandom, you know, is not quite keen on that stuff. Yeah. Which I think is why when Matt Smith left, the regeneration to Capaldi was very quick at the end. Even though he had like a little speech before, there wasn't really a lot, you know. Yeah, I know towards you mean. the end. So yeah. it was a very quick regeneration. It was like snap to here's here's Capaldi, you know, onwards we go. And it's kind of the same thing with Tegan, because the doctor I was kind of expecting him to be a bit more kind of, you know, you can't go, you can't go sort of thing. But yeah, you know, after shaking hands, she wanders off and you know, he's you can tell it he's 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 upset and he's you know, he's a bit depressed about it. But yeah, they just go off in the TARDIS and you can tell that, you know, tune in next week for another adventure. It's not really you know, he doesn't really break down as, as much as I thought he was going to. Um, however, that's kind of indicative of the Doctor's performance in this, I think. He is a little bit on the darker side and a little bit more mm. tolerant of the of the darker side of things. So, Yeah, he kind of just has to get on with it, I suppose. I'm thinking like of Adric's death as well. They sort of have that tiny little scene at the end and then it's not mentioned again. Like, you know, you might have tuned in the next week to think you might see the Doctor, you know... Um, trying to find his thoughts somewhere and, you know, trying to get over it. No, just move on. <laughs> you know, don't mention it. He's gone. Yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of good in a way because, like you said, it just, yeah, that's done, right, you know, on to the next adventure. Yeah. Um, I do wish that it always bugs me that when she she grabs her head at the end, she knocks the plaster off. I always think, oh, surely they had time to do that, one more take of that because she kind of just knocks the <laughs> plaster off her head, doesn't she? Well, not knocks it off, but, yeah. you know, thing. But, um, no, it's a, it's a nice little scene and, obviously, it's got that famous... Braveheart Tegan line, which gets such <laughs> a strange line. But um, I was thinking actually that Tegan, I think Tegan would work quite well with Capaldi's Doctor um, for an episode, not a series. But you know, like there was that picture of them together, which caused speculation, you know, of Capaldi and uh, Janet Fielding. Oh, yes, yeah. They were like, oh, yeah. is she going to be in it? I, I actually think that would be quite a fun pairing because um, I like Tegan in small doses. She's not one of my favorite companions, but I do like her. Um, but I do, yeah, I think, as I say, for an episode, I think she'd work quite well with Capaldi. I can imagine they'd spar off each other quite well, if you like. Yes, I reckon they would. That'd be cool, actually. Yeah, it would, yeah. yeah. But I don't, I don't I doubt it'll ever happen, but yeah, I was thinking that yesterday, just because I was remembering that photo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah you're, yeah, you're right. The the only other sort of companion from Davison's era who kind of went suddenly at the end was Adric, wasn't it? Yeah, I you, think so, yeah. You, you kind of knew it was coming, I guess, because you saw, like, the last build-up. Um, what was that? Was it Earthshock? Earthshock, yeah. yeah. Have we done that? Have we reviewed that? 
Uh, no, I don't think we have yet. No, mm, that could be one no. to do. Um, but yes, it's um, yeah. So in a nutshell, it's a very swift departure, and there's there's no tears really. No, and I think the doctor's again. It's just the doctor's sort of. Uh, he's been. He's, he's absolutely shattered by the end of this story, isn't he? In terms of the character, I mean, he's really gone through the mill, um, and he's just like, yeah, I, I know what you mean. You know, uh, I can understand. Bye. You know, <laughs> so. Yeah, it's good. I, do, I like the way it's done. I just wish you'd had a bit more input, that's all. Just yeah. would like to see that. Because she would have been good on the on the Dalek spaceship, maybe taking out a few Daleks, or just having a bit more to do, really. Yeah, would, would, I, have, would, I, have, would have been good. Yeah, I agree. It would have been cool as her last episode to kind of do a bit more, but yeah, there we go. But overall, it's a great story, isn't it? Really, really good. Overall, it's it's a really good story, actually. Yeah. The acting is superb throughout um give or take a couple of little bits here and there but mm. you know um yeah overall it's um it's a great davison story really good acting not just from him but the support cast as well mainly um yeah i put that actually as, a, as one of my little summing up notes i put that the the majority of supporting cast are really good i mean even the guys when the dalek spaceships first um invading at the start you know they're, they're sort of uh, right kill the prisoner and it's all kicking off and even those guys are pretty good you know they've got quite sort of small parts but they're going for it and i like yeah. that it doesn't you know they, yeah i thought all the casts were good it's quite um grim actually when they're getting their faces melted in the first uh, episode do you know what i mean oh, when yeah. they're yeah. by the gas that's quite horrible because um as i say we don't really get to know these characters but you do sort of feel a bit like oh no especially when um the girl and the guy go into Davros's chamber at the very first episode and um, I think they're trying to kill him manually or something and then the guy just turns around with his face melted and is like help me she yeah. shoots him yeah. and then she gets shot and it's all really like oh blimey yeah. that, that, I'll tell you what that first episode is just so jam packed of action I, I, that's one of the notes I made actually episode one is just full on it's brilliant it's such, oh, a, cool. such a great episode but yeah. I, I think all three actually just really build and flow really well the first one's very action-packed i really like the stunt um where he pushes the dalek out the window yes with the really yeah. well-timed explosion as it hits the ground is very very cool i did pause that because that always bugged me how that dalek looks it never it doesn't because they they do sort of try and quick keep it to a quick shot but you can clearly see that it's a big vac formed i don't know it's obviously loaded with explosives because it doesn't quite look right does it Dalek. No, it's, you can tell, but it's got yeah, yeah. But I just only because I paused it, I just wanted to have a, a closer look at it. It's got like a massive sort of um, uh, dome at the top of the head, which is clearly I think it's weighted so that it falls on the head, so it explodes. But I was like, yeah. yeah, that's that's really cool. It's great to see the Doctor pushing a Dalek out of a window. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, and I think at the time as well, it would have been cool to actually see the Daleks because um, it would have um, it was five years, wasn't it? before this episode where you actually saw any Daleks. Yeah, yeah. So it, well, it was quite a few years before, uh, sorry, since you'd have seen any of them. And then the next one you see, well, you know, not the next one, but one of the next ones is being pushed out of a window and exploding. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that would have been very cool at the time because you'd probably thought, I haven't seen no Daleks in a while. Well, I, I, I tell you what, Gary, in all honesty, um, I, I really remember clearly seeing the trailer for this. I, I've got um, I've got two very clear memories actually. Um, one is of the previous story of Frontiers because John Nathan Turner had, had been saying that they were going to get rid of the uh, police box as the prop 
uh, you know, and it was a big story in terms of Hood fandom. And I was thinking, no, you can't get rid of the TARDIS, you know, and it was all it was all nonsense, but he did it to get a bit of publicity. So in front of us, the TARDIS gets blown up and there's just the hat stand. And I remember that as clear as day thinking, no, he's actually done it. Oh, no, he's got rid of the TARDIS because I was quite young. You know, I believe these things. <laughs> so I remember that from the previous story. And then I do clearly remember that um, there was a like a trailer or that went out after Frontius because it it kind of ends with them being shaken around in the TARDIS. And uh, obviously that's how um, this one starts, doesn't it, with them mm-hmm. the, doing the mirror effect. But I can remember that, like the return of the Daleks and and, and uh, all of that, Davison, and just being really, really like excited. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So this, this story stayed with me for quite a long time, actually, because I can... There's just that one little, and it, it might even be my memory playing tricks, but I just I can picture myself in front of the TV, just watching that the, the Daleks bursting through the door, um, and I don't know if that's my mind playing tricks. You know, it might not have even been that scene. Uh, it might not have even been the wallpaper that I'm picturing on my parents' front room. But do you know what I mean? I can remember being there when this was was going out and being really really excited as a kid. Okay. So it stayed with me a long time. This story. Yeah, I think that's why I love it so much as well. Yeah. And I think it's um, it's one of these stories as well that uh, it kind of gets overshadowed a little bit by things like Genesis of the Daleks. Mm. Um, Remembrance, maybe. It's quite yeah. a popular one. Yeah. Um, it kind of gets ad- overshadowed a wee bit. Um, but yeah, overall, it's um, it's a cracking one. So, uh, And we don't have to wait too long for another companion. I think the follow-up story, we go we're straight on with Perry. Nicola Bryant, yeah, yes. Planet of Fire, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, um, yeah. he's not completely you know, on a part-time staff for long. No, he doesn't get stuck with Turlo for too long. Yeah. <laughs> Turlo's a funny one, isn't he? He's very weird. And I, I was kind of <laughs> hoping for a bit more from him in this one as well, but alas, he's uh, he just runs down a lot of corridors and straightens his tie, like you say. Yeah, some good tie acting going on yes. in this one from him. <laughs> Shall we get on to scores, my good man? Yeah, let's see. Yes, let, oh yeah, let's do the scores. Yeah, uh, I think it's me. It this is week to go first, right? Um, this is going to be an eight point five <laughs> for me. Snap! Oh. <laughs> Actually, I was I was edging up towards a nine as we were getting to the end of review, but I have written eight point five in the pad. Yeah, I th- I just love it. Actually, um, I'm a bit protective over it. I know. Um, uh, one of my YouTube friends, a guy called Harry, if he's listening, I think he does listen. Hi, Harry. I know that he doesn't like this story and I get quite defensive over it because I can never understand that anyone couldn't like it. But I'm sure there are people out there. We'll find out in a minute when we read the comments out. But I just think it's a cracking episode. I'd, I'd probably go 9 out of 10, but I'm going to gonna stick with what I wrote in the pad, 8.5. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, what did you guys say? Yeah. Um, so... Uh, ben Smith, that is over on Facebook. So Ben Smith, uh, he says, this is one of my favourite Doctor Who stories. Um, Davison is really hitting his stride and is amazing here. Uh, Janet gives a truly memorable last performance. Mm. Uh, Stein is a great character and the twist that he has, uh, sorry, that he was a Dalek spy is great. The idea of Dalek duplicates is a fascinating one and I would love to see, see it in New Who. Uh, Lytton makes a superb villain. Terry Malloy's Davros is as fantastic as ever. The une- the uneasiness between Davros and the Daleks is played out really well mm. um, and starts off the brilliant Dalek Civil War storyline. Yes, that's a very good point. Very good true. Yep. And Lytton does get to escape, of course. I was going to say that. We get to see him again in Attack of the Sidemen, don't we? So he does, yep. does come back, yeah. Um, 
and it's very atmospheric and dark. The ending is very emotional and it's a fitting end for Tegan. Uh, I think this is the greatest 80s Dalek story. Yes, even better than Remembrance. He gives it 10 out of 10. Do you know what? I, I well, You know I love Remembrance, but having watched this again yesterday, I, I loved it. Really, really close, actually, those two. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not easy. I know, not, I know yeah, I know, not, not for you. I know you're not a big Remembrance fan, but um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cousins, 2019. Uh, love Resurrection of the Daleks. Um, I like the guy who helps the Doctor, uh, Tegan Antolo. Uh, it is an okay goodbye story for Tegan, but it could have been much better. Turlo is quite good in this story. I don't see why people have a problem with him. Uh, I love Tegan's last line, brave heart Tegan. Uh, I love how this gets mentioned in The Planet of Fire. He gives it 8 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, P.S. Adam, are you coming down to the convention in Bournemouth this weekend? Oh, no. <laughs> Just to rub salt in the wings there. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he's going. Oh, yeah. I wish I could. Yeah, I can't think about it. I'm distraught. Swiftly moving on. Uh, Lewis Palmer. Uh, really good one, this is. Uh, love it when the Doctor pushes the Dalek into the street, only for it to explode. Uh, great supporting <laughs> cast as well. Uh, I like the footage of previous Doctors and Companions. The exit for Tegan was really good, I thought. I really loved... Her season, her, sorry, her reason for leaving. Overall, I think this is one of Davison's best and a strong nine out of ten. Yeah, I think he's got made a very good point there actually because um, it does fit in really well with the story. The fact why she wants to leave it's uh, even though it's a very sudden exit, um, you you kind of get it because of what's what's been played out. So yeah, he makes a very good point there. Yeah, Kieran Knight uh, really don't like it. Uh, the Doctor is inactive and patronising. Uh, with Turlo getting his hands dirty but still dull. Um, um, Eric Sayward, am I saying that right? Sawad, yeah. Sawad. Uh, just tried to copy Earthshock, but the supporting characters are just really dull. Uh, despite the death count, I never found the Daleks threatening. Poor Terry Malloy. Uh, have no idea how Tegan stayed this long without the writers killing her off, but it's a decent exit. I might give it another go one day, maybe three out of ten. Oh dear, give it another go, Kieran. Yeah, no love from Kieran. Actually, uh, I was going to say, I think the Daleks are quite menacing in this. They, the only thing is, they do move a bit slow, like when they're coming in to invade the ship. Um, they are a bit doddery, but I do think they're quite menacing in this. Yeah. Um, Greg Toby, uh, 10 out of 10. Great way to give Tegan a good send-off. And Tom Dix, uh, I haven't seen this yet, but I've heard nothing but great things about it. I cannot wait to reach Resurrection in my Series 1 to 35 marathon. <laughs> wow. Wow. Thank you yeah. very much for your comments on it. Yeah. Do you have anything on Geeks? Yes, yeah, I've got a few on Geeks uh, handbag. We've got um, Finn Walsh. He says, really good story. Love some of Peter's latest stories, including that's I Love 80s Who, 9 out of 10. Ryan Anthony, he says, I don't think this story is either exciting or memorable. It's not as good as Remembrance, but it's nowhere near as bad as Victory of the Daleks or Asylum of the Daleks. I think the story is in the middle. He's giving it a 5 out of 10. Okay. Adam Time Lord Fishwick. He says, a brilliant Dalek story. I have this story twice. Don't ask why. Uh, a very good performance from Peter Davison. Matt Kelly, really good. One of the best action stories the show ever had. It is full of action, isn't it? It is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I dropped my microphone. Yeah, it's full of action. I think it's really cool. Uh, Yanto Williams. 
Yanto. Um, hello, Yanto. He says, the only Peter Davison episode I remember seeing, the reason I love this episode is not a secret. And then he's written Davros in great big capital letters about a thousand times. So I'm guessing it's Davros. <laughs> Thomas Andrew Evans, he says, love it, love it, love it. My first Peter Davison story. And it instantly made me want to watch more of his stories. Overall, amazing episode and a great send off for Tegan. Jace Howells from the 500-Year-Old Diary says, A great story, although a bit messed up with multiple plot lines. Fantastic atmospheric story, filmed really well. Great to see Davros return and played by the wonderful Terry Malloy. Tegan's farewell at the end of the story is very touching and well done. And finally, the classic line, dark, isn't it, from Turlo. To me, the line comments not only on the character's option, but also of the tone of the story. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, I'll just give a quick shout out to the director, actually, Matthew Robertson. I do think he did a really cool job. Yes. And finally, uh, Robert Lithgow. Now, I often get confused. Is Robert the one that very often doesn't like things? Or am I thinking of someone else? You'll have to tell me, Robert. Um, but uh, he says, love it. Easily one of the best classic series Dalek stories. And one of the better Davison stories. Also, Tegan finally leaves... Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, overall, pretty, yeah, a bit mixed, actually, on Geeks, isn't it? Um, some yeah. some love it, and there was a couple that not so keen. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I, I would have thought it'd be more one of those middle-of-the-road things as well. But it seems to be that people really, there's a lot of love for it, or you really don't like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know what there is not to like. I mean, I suppose we all have personal taste but um that's like when i was uh, having a conversation with harry who doesn't like it i was thinking well, what what don't you like about it i like what I, I don't know i can't see what is there not to like about it it's just full of action loads of great characters um the daleks are great davros is brilliant davison's brilliant I, I don't know what there is not to like but hey i'm sure there are stories that some people love that i don't so True. yeah personal taste but, but yeah i think it's a cracker it is a cracker so that was uh, Resurrection of the Daleks, um, 8.5s from us. Mm. What are we going to do next week? Next week, um, Eccleston, uh, an Eccleston story. We're going to look at Boomtown. Boomtown. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that one in a while. I haven't seen it in ages. So yeah. uh, I actually can't remember much about that at all. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to giving that a, a rewatch. Yes. We'll hopefully be watching that on Blu-ray next week. Yeah, I was just going to, I was just thinking that, yeah. With any luck. Yeah, is that the one where Jack jumps on the TARDIS at Star, or is that a different one? Um, it is, it's literally so long since I watched Boontown. Me I, too, I think yeah. you're right, yeah. Yeah, Jack's in it, isn't he? He is, yeah. Yeah, cool. So yeah, next week, Boontown, uh, we'll get a picture up, give us your thoughts on that one. Sure. And that'll wrap for this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us for episode 53. Um, it's been all sorts of awesome source this week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> some great news, apart from the cancellations of the Symphonic Tour, but other than that, some great stuff. And it's been awesome talking through Resurrection. Yeah, great. Some good stuff. Uh, so, trivia. Last week, we asked you, which publication does Sarah Jane Smith work for? And uh, one person got it right. Uh, Kieran Knight, it was the Metropolitan Magazine. 
Yes. Yes. I'll be honest with you, I didn't know. When you asked the question last week, I couldn't think. It was only when I looked at the answer today. I was like, all right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, one person did get in touch and said, uh, is it the unit staff newsletter? Well, that sounds good. Uh, but no. <laughs> Trivia for this week. In Enlightenment, what is the name of Captain Stryker's ship? Ooh, yeah. In Enlightenment, what is the name of Captain Stryker's ship? Mm. Answer on the back of a postcard. <laughs> No, just jump on Twitter and Facebook and tell us the answer. We'll read it out next week. So next week we're going to be doing Boomtown, so we'll stick the usual stuff up on Twitter and Facebook. Give us your thoughts on that one. And if you guys are checking it out on Blu-ray for the first time, uh, give us your thoughts on that as well. Mm. What you think versus the DVD. Um, I think I've got it as a... No, have I got it as a digital download? No. I bought this uh, pack of BitTorrent. Oh, you did? Year. Oh, yeah. I can't remember if that's on there. They did this official thing, didn't they, with BBC America or Worldwide? I remember that, yeah. Yes, I'll see if it's on there. But anyways, we'll be reviewing that one. In the meantime, be sure to check out Adam's uh, YouTube channel and Facebook page for The Geek's Handbag. Uh, loads of really cool stuff on there, not just Doctor Who. Awesome source for sci-fi stuff. And I don't know why I'm saying awesome source. <laughs> no, but I like it, yeah. It's just cool. give it a check out, really cool stuff on there. Check out the uh, podcast website, um, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all the past uh, episodes from there. And you can also jump off to follow us and like us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And you can also subscribe on iTunes. So until next week, have a fantastic time. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And... Alonzi! Alonzi!